Hi, I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast. In this season, we're going to be focusing on search, search funds, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and all things related to that community and that ecosystem, particularly focusing on how can we build the marketplace in Australia and start to encourage more searchers to come to market and get to the point where they can own, operate their own business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this next episode of the Next Step Podcast. Um, I'm today going to speak to Andrew Locke. He's the co-founder and partner of Ambit Partners, a South African-based search fund investor, and they invest in search globally. And so what we're going to go into today is really that investor's perspective. You know, so if you're an investor and you're considering your allocations, why would you invest in search funds as an asset class? What's, what's so great about them? What are the pros and cons? And what should you look for if you're going to deploy capital in that space? We also spend a bit of time talking about what makes, makes a good searcher, what makes a good search fund investor and also some more broad kind of aspects of what the macro factors are globally and also how that's influencing the way search as a model is showing up in various regions around the world. It's a really exciting conversation. I had a great time. Andrew's got a whole depth of knowledge that we only scratch the surface of, Um, but I hope you enjoy it. Here's Andrew Locke on The Next Step. Thanks, Andrew, for joining us, and thanks for your time to come on this episode of the Next Step podcast. We're focusing in on search as a as an asset class and as an investment model, and it's great to have you here because you are actually bringing that lens from an investor's perspective. And so, what I'd really like to do during this episode is go into a bit of the why, like from an investor's point of view, why would you invest in search and what is it about the model that's so attractive when you've got other options on the table? But before we get into that point, I'd really be keen to understand, you know, what is it that got you to this point? What other things have you been involved with and why is it that you've come to sort of start this fund that's focusing on investing in searches globally? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Pete. No, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I think it's great that you're putting this podcast together. So yeah, so it's sort of my own story and then how I arrived at Ambit. I think first of all, there, there's three partners here at Ambit Partners and each of us has a bit of a different background that I think all points towards what we're putting together today. Mine is primarily actually international development. So I grew up in the States, went to school on the East Coast, and spent most of my career working internationally, following kind of three distinct phases. The first was in international development. So I started working in West Africa, spent some time in the Middle East, some time in the States, and some time in, in, in India as a uh, behavioral economist working with Harvard's econ group there and in the south of the country, then pivoted more towards private sector work back to Africa joined a management consultancy in uh, Nairobi that focused on really building talent and small business around the continent. So we would partner with growth stage, early stage social enterprise and help develop top performing executive teams and also building out kind of second tier middle management to help companies scale. So my lens really became supporting talent um, and how they can drive growth in emerging markets. I then went to business school. This is actually where I, where I first heard about the, the search fund, the traditional search fund model. Met my current partner, Neil, in school at INSEAD in, in France. And then he and I came to, to South Africa, where, where he's from, started this third phase in, in private equity. So Neil and I joined uh, Rob, who's our, our third partner here at a, at a fund in South Africa that did kind of search funds in reverse, we sometimes describe it. So we raised about 30 to $40 million, depending on where the brand is trading at these days, and use that to go and, and buy 26 small businesses in South Africa inside of the supply chains 
uh, our LPs in this case. Um, so helping to, to build a portfolio of, of companies in their supply chains. So we went to market. We did the transactions ourselves. I was led by Robin Neal. So on one hand, we, we acquired the businesses, did the work of a searcher to go find the business and buy it. And then on the back end, we go to market to find the talent to be the principals in those businesses, so to, to take unfunded equity positions in these companies. So in many ways, a matchmaking role, so to describe it as an arranged marriage. So we'd, we'd find the business, find the principal, and, and kind of meet at the altar. So I had exposure to the different pieces of search um, in a quite an intimate way, but in a way that was very difficult to scale because we were so deeply involved in the acquisition and, and finding talent and, and integrating. So we were pushed through that work towards the more traditional search model, which we've now implemented here here in Ambit. We started about a, a year ago to invest in search funds around the world. So we're kind of taking our experience in the acquisition and transaction stage, as well as sourcing and supporting talent to enter these businesses, try to scale it into a, a fund that invests in search funds globally. That's fantastic. So, I mean, one thing that's really interesting for me about search is the focus on the people and the focus on the talent. I mean, you just describe your other process as reverse search, which sounds about right. So, I kind of always think about it, people first, business second. And that part of your experience yeah. where you are building capability to help grow mm -hmm. small businesses really resonates with what you're now effectively tasked with doing around trying to identify what does good talent look like. I mean, when you go in and invest in the search phase, yeah. you're really backing that person, right? And trying to say, is this person the kind of person that can yes. um, take this business forward or take any business forward, frankly, because at that point, you're just backing the person. And and how have you felt that experience helped you identify the characteristics of a good searcher? Yeah, it's a good question. Yes, then there's kind of two levels to that. I think one is the characteristics of the individual that can be successful in a CEO type role. And then the other is kind of supporting that search to build up the team. I think an important point is that particularly true in emerging markets, but I think it's true all over the world, that the talent has to be a core focus of your business strategy. It isn't an afterthought. Cultivating the talent in your business has to be something that you begin kind of on, on day one. So a big challenge that we saw in my past work is that you have a, a very talented entrepreneur who, who either, in this case, usually founds a business, grows it to kind of limits of their span of control, and then really struggles to break out of that size. So to kind of break through that, that ceiling and continue to grow because of the challenges, usually despite best intentions, to grow that middle management team that can help the business continue to to grow with with high quality middle managers. So it's, it's one growing kind of you know identifying top talent, but the other is is supporting and coaching that talent to implement their own systems of cultivating good leadership within the business. So as search fund investors now, you know, we have the, the first lens is identifying what kind of person makes a great searcher in this regard that there's really no kind of single mold for what makes a perfect searcher and you know a lot of different backgrounds and, and expertise in search the industry often talks about uh, traditional searchers quote-unquote traditional which is typically kind of a recent top mba graduate with some experience in private equity or consulting or finance or sometimes industry generally not a lot of operational experience. That's sort of the traditional model. And then the, what we call non-traditional, uh, which is usually a bit older, sometimes without MBAs or graduate degrees, but with really strong track records in operations within a particular industry vertical. And these are on a spectrum. So you get people who kind of exist in between. And I think recently we've seen an increase in kind of MBA graduates who are five to seven years out of their, their programs have, have excelled in a certain career post-business school and are now looking to go buy a business. So these are not fixed categories and a lot of different people can be successful with different backgrounds in the space. You know, I think outside of the actual 
backgrounds, there are a few characteristics that we really look for um, to identify talent. One is intellect, people who are clever, curious, skeptical, have strategic thinking. Another is their, their character. So we look for honesty, humility, relatability, capability, kind of the relevant skills around search. Uh, we look at track record, which is kind of pedigree, consistent standards of excellence in, in their professional lives. And the final piece is, is commitment, which we define as really a deep understanding of the search fund model, a clear passion for entrepreneurship by acquisition, as well as high opportunity costs, people who are leaving good opportunities to pursue search as, as evidence of the passion for it and an interest in running a business. So that's kind of our, our first lens at the search stage, right? So when we look to invest in, in searchers, we really look for these, these characteristics of who they are. And then over the search period, better understand their, their capacity to be a CEO and then help them coach this, this second tier understanding of how to build talent in their own business. From my angle, this is something that starts kind of day one uh, on acquisition is how to think about the talent you're going to bring into the company to lead your business units and help the company grow. So this is sort of this, this two-stage approach that we take. That summary you just provided for what you look for in a searcher was fantastic, not only from an investor's perspective, but one of the other conversations that I've had is around if you were thinking about becoming a searcher, what are the questions you should ask yourself mm-hmm. to determine whether or not it's an appropriate path? And I think those characteristics you just outlined mm-hmm. then and particularly if that person can be honest with themselves, they can kind of put themselves through that filter and say, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, do I pass these tests? Because this is what the investors are going to be looking for. And do I think that I can stand up to that test? Um, that summary is fantastic and really, really valuable. In relation to the model itself, what do you think it is that sets this asset class, for want a bit better term, apart from other asset classes for you as investors? And not only for you guys, but also for your co-investors, when you're talking to them about this is what we should invest in, this asset class, the search phase followed by the acquisition phase and the various metrics that go along with that. What is it about the search fund model and the search asset class that's attractive from an investment point of view? No, it's an interesting question. I think there's a few angles that are that are true for me here. Uh, I think one is frankly personal. Uh, my my dad's a small business owner, and I've sort of seen firsthand the challenges of succession that he faces in his company. So I think that as far as macro trends grow go, I don't know if succession is you know the sexiest thing happening in the next decade, but it is a, a massive kind of event that the world's going to face, and that search is a really elegant solution to that problem. So I think there's there's this one so there's this macro view, which is we have enormous number of small businesses that need to change hands um, over the, over the next decade. Finding a good solution to that is going to be really integral to a lot of economies around the world. It's not really a commercial argument necessarily, but a kind of a personal one that that trying to build a, a scalable solution to this macro trend I think is is really really important. As an investor, you know there's there's a lot of different flavors of of kind of lower mid market private equity investment. There's a lot of flavors of, of EDA as well. We can get into if that's that's interesting because how how self-funded searches work um, or incubators and such. There's a lot of different ways to approach this, and there's a lot of different ways to be successful. You know, being a search principal or a search fund investor isn't always the right path for for everyone. But part of the reason that, that we like it and and I like it is is one this kind of you know solution to a huge macro theme that we see as a defining factor the next decade or more. Second is you know a very compelling kind of commercial argument and create wealth for the searchers. Um, which in, in my view is, is, is a key indicator of sustainability and scalability of a, of a solution. We really love working with principals just on a one-on-one basis. It's, it's a lot of fun. You know, small business acquisition is, is very different from large M&A. It's a much more personal kind of one-on-one relationship that we build with searchers and they've been built with, with the owners that they buy from. So we really like working with principals over the, the years of the search and then afterwards through acquisition. We also appreciate the visibility that, that this process gives us into the principal and how they may behave 
as a CEO. And we also really value, as you, as you mentioned or alluded to, the, the input that our co-investors bring. So part of the model is having a fairly large cap table on a search fund. And, you know, I've had a searcher will raise between you know, 10 and 20 co-investors. Each brings a particular background, expertise, and insight that they offer both the searcher, but also very collaborative. So we, we know our co-investors very well. We work quite closely with them to better support the principle, which is really the focal point of, of the model. And, and that's a, a really important piece, I think, distinguishes it from traditional private equity, where it's, I think, a little more of a zero-sum game between investors. You either get the deal and you have the majority buyout or, or you don't. Whereas because we're all minority holders, we're very much on the same boat with the, with the searcher, which just lends itself, I think, both the temperament of investors, but also the structure of the asset class itself is, is more supportive, more collaborative than you see in other investment classes. And so even the, the network... The network and the collaboration yeah. across that investor group is also much higher than what you'd find just on the standard register. Yeah. You know, I don't know kind of chicken or egg, what came first. It's like works together. That, that's the model that rewards collaboration. I and mean, then as a result or because of you get, you know, investors who are extremely geared to supporting searchers. And the best way to do that is often by working together with, with our co-investors um, to give the best caliber of support possible. And given what you've seen in the US, given it's like arguably the most developed market for the model, Mm -hmm. are the institutional investors in this space taking almost a VC style approach to their investment in the search phase and then kind of them just picking the winners during the acquisition phase? Or are you still seeing that most of the register that would invest in the search phase will then follow on through to the acquisition phase? Yeah, you know, I do think that the industry is is in a bit of a kind of a changing or sort of growth period. You see a lot more money coming to market and more searchers coming to market, and that pressure from both sides, I think, will you know manifest in certain ways. I think an interesting kind of governor on what you're talking about now, which is you know larger institutions coming in, you know, placing a lot of bets, supporting a lot of searchers, and maybe not having the sort of one-on-one personal capacity to to support that searcher during the process is checked a bit by the searcher themselves because the searcher, you know, the building a cap table is one of the first things a searcher or a search pair does. And it's one of the only things in the process that they have almost complete control over. Mm. So we, we really advise the the searchers that we invest in the ones we don't um, to really take this process very seriously. And, Providing capital is important, but it's, it's easy to think a little, or it's seductive to think of it myopically that you want to raise quickly, get this done and go search. But to take a minute to, to sit back and really assess not just the cash that these investors bring on, but the other types of support that they're going to have through the process. Part of that, of course, is being able to follow rights come acquisition. That's a really important piece. But different investors bring a whole host of, of other types of value to the table. So top searchers, one is they talk to each other. Right. So I think if there's institutional investors that, that aren't providing that extra value, I think we'll be outcompeted by those who do. Uh, yeah. Searchers will, yeah. will know that. So, so get, I, think, the, I think there's a bit of a, yeah. Those, those active investors will effectively get the better, effectively the better searches and the better deals because they'll be sought after from the searcher market because they're the investors that can provide the value beyond just the cash they're putting in. It's interesting because I heard a good comment the other day saying that basically that process that you're talking about, that first step they do around going and raising their search capital from their investor group is is a really important step that they take. And they're almost recruiting 
their investor group, not just going and raising capital. You know, it's not it's not just money from any warm body. It's money from people who can really contribute in a way that, that makes a difference. And quite often, I don't know what you found in your experience, but do you find that after the searcher makes the first gets the first few investors on board, then almost there's a network effect there as well. Those initial investors with a particular searcher potentially introduce other co-investors along to that as well that they want Mm -hmm. to see as part of the mix? Like, do you see that kind of collaboration amongst the investor groups? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that the top searchers, first of all, they, they begin thinking about this this isn't universally true, but you often see, see you guys think about this as a career move long before they formally go to market on their race. So they're having conversations with searchers, with investors, with operators, um, sometimes years in advance, you know, as they consider this as, as their next step. So they'll start forming these relationships early, which means that when they you know formally announce their raise, they, they have a good understanding of, of how they want their cap table to look. And then those investors are already aware of these searchers. So I think there's, it looks as though some guys raise very quickly, and that's often because they you know, had to begin you know understand the market far earlier. To the point of co-investors sort of um, working together, I think that's also true. You know, there are we certainly give recommendations on on the searchers we speak with. You know, given their particular kind of expertise and who's on the cap table already, guys who think they should talk to who you know, because again we we have our own skin in the game here, so we want you know our investments to have the best co-investors as well. Because uh, we know the kind of value they can, they can bring, so there is a little bit of competition, certainly. But I think it's a, you know it's healthy to have that, you know, and and it's it's all value aligned, right? So it's it's the searcher wants the most supportive cap table, and so do we. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, so we certainly work together in that in that way. And we've just touched on what makes a good searcher, and you've just kind of described to us what are the attributes of the search model and also that asset class that's interesting to you as an investor. What do you think? And also the other thing we've touched on a little bit is kind of the attributes of your co-investors. What do you think makes a good investor from a search perspective? Mm. So if I'm if I'm thinking about my investment options and I'm an investor with either family office capital or private equity capital or even just my, my personal capital and I'm thinking about where I might put that money if I was considering search, what questions would I ask myself to work out whether or not it's a good class for me and, and my investment? Yeah, it's a great question. First, it's useful to think about, I think there are the kind of four categories of entities or, or people that, that invest in search. So we, we've talked about kind of these larger institutional investors that have, that build portfolios of investments, kind of specialize in understanding the, the search market, knowing what a good deal looks like, you know, et cetera. There's also former searchers who themselves have, have turned kind of serial investors, usually a little bit smaller portfolios, but have been operating themselves. They've done the transaction themselves. They've been through this life cycle and can, and can support in very distinct ways, oftentimes within particular industry verticals. You also have local high net wealth individuals. These are sometimes former bosses or professional connections that searchers will bring into their cap table. And the fourth is you know, geographic or, or industry experts um, who maybe don't know the searchers initially, but buy into the thesis or the geography that they want to go search in. So each of those four categories, I think, has a different sort of value proposition for, for the searcher. And they bring different types of, of, of value to the table outside of the cash that they, they're able to invest. And we encourage searchers to, to get a, a good balance among these different categories um, because there are things that you know an, an industry or geographic expert can do that that institutional investor can't and, and, and vice versa. So I think a good tap table is, is a diverse one that brings in different experiences, different expertise, and different viewpoints on the deal to really challenge their thinking and, and be contrarian at times and then push to 
hard questions and ultimately you know better outcomes and inherent but, in um, that inherent in that is is sure. the idea that the investors are going to be active in their engagement with the searcher and their process, right? So effectively, if you're interested in in investing in this asset class, it, it, it probably goes with that. You should also be pretty interested in being engaged in the process rather than just putting your money somewhere and then waiting 10 years and see what happens. You're more than likely to be an, an active, proactive investor rather than a passive investor. I think that's right. Any investor wants to be part of the, the best deals, right? The, the most talented searchers, the, the best acquisitions. And at that kind of top quartile level, they're, they're you know sort of like venture capital, right? The best deals are run by people who are able to court capital and investors and essentially make a choice between who they want you know, with them on this journey. So those who want to cut a check and then not be involved for a decade and see, see what happens, I think my view is in the future, there'll be fewer and fewer of those. Yeah. Um, yeah because no. the, 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 the top guys are looking for, for different types of support. They'll get filtered out. something to be aware of. You know, you asked as well about people who want to enter this from the investor seat, how to get involved. You know, and there, there's two ways to do that. There, there's direct investment, I think you're referring to, which for an individual investor can be a little bit tricky, or at least there are a few things to certainly be aware of. I think one is this kind of adverse selection piece. You, know, you want to make sure you're getting the best deals. So ensuring that you know you know that you're having access to top guys around the world or wherever you're, or you're in your particular geography, because there's there's competition going on for these, for these top groups. So it's difficult, I think, to have sort of on the side of your desk a small portfolio that you manage, although not impossible. And there's certainly people who have been successful doing that. But being aware of the dynamics of a small portfolio size, it's it's similar to having a small venture capital portfolio. Um, just the nature of the investment is one that benefits from diversification. Then to ensure that you have access to, to really the best deals out there. And you can answer those questions kind of like you, you talked about being a searcher, you know, self-assessing why you're doing this. Uh, I think the same is true for, for investors. You know, do, can I, do I credibly really add value to my investments? Because that's why searches will want me on, right? If I can reliably add value to, to their journey. And the other way is, is to invest indirectly you know, via funds, which kind of gives access to the commercial returns of the, of the asset class. It doesn't allow the sort of you know, one-on-one kind of mm. direct investment opportunities that, that some investors really, really enjoy. And there's many as well that do both, right? So that they'll be exposed to a more diverse portfolio indirectly via fund and then do a few deals themselves in geographies or industries that excite them or they have expertise in. So there's also a hybrid model. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm seeing more and more of those funds pop up, particularly in this part of the world as well. There's more of that kind of thing coming to market, which I think is just going to expand the universe of options for people that are interested in the asset class, which is a good thing because you might be one of those investors that invests in a fund because you're just trying to get a feel for the asset class. And then after that, if you have a good experience, you might turn into one of those more direct investors at a later date. Yeah. So having more exactly. options about how to get access is only good for the ecosystem as a whole. So before we wrap up, I just had one more question for you, just as a more of a kind of global view. You know, you guys are involved in thinking about investments pretty much as far as I understand in any region, as long as the investment and, and the searcher is ticking the boxes for you. What's been your perspective on the newest markets to suddenly be seeing a fair amount of growth, either in an expected way or even those that have surprised you around you know, the model taking off quicker than what you might have thought? Yeah, so I think it's you know one. It's very new. I mean, even in established markets, you know, thirty years, a few hundred searches. You know, it's quite a new asset class, and that's particularly true in these different geographies. So there are a few places where you might say it's taken off because there's been you know, six, seven searches. Um, mm, but you yeah. think about <laughs> what does take off mean? No, no. <laughs> yeah, 
that number of people relative to the, you know, the number of SMEs that are going to be for sale over the next yeah. five years. So it's still really a drop in the bucket, but, it, but it's been really interesting. So that's exactly at Ambit, we really look to, to new geographies and you know, we're building a portfolio that's balanced. You know, we, we talk about roughly 50% in established search markets and, and 50% in new search markets and, and emerging markets. Um, and the model looks a little bit different, you know, in, in these new markets, you know, we, we often think about it across kind of four categories. One is how the, the model itself change. Um, we see a lot of solo searchers in new markets, which we, you know, there's good evidence that, that paired searchers, you know, can do a bit better, which I think is likely true. And we do really like paired searchers, but there is also something that's sort of the, the kind of the, the maverick attitude that, you know, American searchers, I think many still do have, but certainly had, you know, when the, when the model was, was nascent in the States, we're going against all the trends bucking, you know, all incentives from their boss to go the other way and, and going and, and doing something very new and different. We see that in new markets, guys who are you know, coming to search in, in Africa and parts of Asia, South America, who are, you know, really going against the grain and doing something new and hard and, you know, build their legals from scratch pretty much and, and, and develop this stuff in, in new contexts. So we really like that, you know, this sort of grittiness that comes from, from doing something new for more or less the first time. Probably a good um, lead indicator to their approach to the operating phase. If, if they know how to kind of yeah. get hands-on in that phase to get things happening, that probably means they're going to take a similar approach during operation. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. So, you know, it's a, I don't know if the trade-off's the right word, but you there's certainly more obstacles in, in new markets, but you also get a t- the kind of person who's really keen to, to overcome them, which we love to see. And then, you know, we, we honestly think that there's really great opportunity in these new markets for, for this model. You know, the, the playbook in many ways has been developed in the States along many industry verticals and types of businesses. It's really greenfield in a lot of spaces and in emerging markets. And there's also, you know, in Africa, for example, incredible growth. You know, many of the world's top growing c- countries are, you know, on the continent here. So we have a searcher right now who's in Ivory Coast. This is an economy that's, that's in, you know, gone 6x in the last 20 years. Really strong, you know, that's from a small base granite, but there's some amazing tailwinds that if you can negotiate properly, we think you can be really successful. And this is really our, our fundamental piece around following talent. You know, if we can pick the right person who, who can succeed in difficult spaces, that's really the recipe that we're looking for. And I think part of what I'm trying to do, even just through having these conversations on, on this podcast series, is exactly around trying to unlock some of the, the friction and the hurdles that you're talking about in those emerging markets. I mm-hmm. mean, Australia is relatively new to the traditional model mm-hmm. and I think yeah. has a lot of opportunity around um, all of those macro factors that we've already discussed. But doing some of the legwork to try and kind of free up those friction points, even just in the ecosystem system of advice and support that those searchers need and the investor groups and all those kinds of things should only just kind of grease the wheels to, to help them along. So, yes. so yeah, yes. a- absolutely. I think we're in complete al- alignment there. Yes. And, and it's frankly, it's part of the reason why this, I think this podcast is so great because I think a lot of people don't know that it's possible. Even people who know the, the model don't realize that they can do it in their home country, yeah. be it Australia or Ivory Coast or, or anywhere else. You know, we, we you know, speak at, at business schools, kind of these virtual conferences and um, oftentimes these sessions are, 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 you know, full of students from, from Africa or parts of the world where search isn't established and the response is, I didn't know this was possible. Now, I know my friends are doing this in, in Chicago, but I didn't think I could go home and do it in Ethiopia. Yeah. So, and, and it is uh, and truly, a lot of it is, is awareness. It's truly transferable. And it really is just, there might be some particular aspects domestically that you need to take account of. But apart from that, like you say, the model being tested, the macroeconomics and the macro kind of factors globally are pretty much the same. So, so yeah, you're right. It, it can be deployed anywhere. 
So thanks so much for your time on this episode today, Andrew. I really, really appreciate it. You know, having that investor's perspective is is really valuable. It's it's a group, a kind of part of the marketplace that we need to continue to develop because having the right investors, not only in terms of having capital available, but having the support and the advice and the guidance and coaching that that investor group brings to the table is really, really important to help searchers through their process. So getting that perspective directly from you is fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Pete. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please jump onto LinkedIn and find the group Search and ETA Australasia. You can also send me a direct message and I'd be keen to connect.